What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm Brian Wayne, and today I have for you another installment of Trade Negotiations, where I go through and I pick a trade book that has been completed, so no longer any issues to catch up with. It's all in trade, and I give a rundown of it. And this week, I am deciding to go with Chew, Volume 1, by John Lehman and Rob Gilroy. Now, I'm actually going to do this as a full series to completion. So by the time it's all said and done, you will have a total rundown of the amazing story that is Chew. So, um, I want to start by telling you why I specifically chose Chew, I guess. Uh, When Farmhand came out, my LCS guy was super, super excited, and he hyped up Farmhand to me, and when he told me or when he realized that I hadn't read Chew yet, his jaw dropped. And I like his taste in comics, so I went out and I got the first five volumes. And I'll be damned if I don't love this book. So, we're going to start today with volume one. I'm going to go through and give you the quickest but most thorough rundown I could possibly give you. And this specific volume is called Taster's Choice, once again by John Lehman and Rob Gilroy. So the story follows this cap named Tony Chu, and he's a psychopath. And if you're wondering what a psychopath is, and someone that, let's say when they ingest something, they're able to get a, a feeling about everything that that food has been through. So let's say if he takes a bite of an apple, then he knows what tree it grew from and the pesticides that were used on it when it was harvested. And, I mean, it goes all the way down. And, like, same thing, like, with a ha- uh, hamburger. If he eats a hamburger, he he actually is able to feel the, the, the death of the cow or understand how the death of the cow went about. So you can understand how that particular skill could come in handy as a cop. So, but there is a catch to his little thing. Um, you might wonder, well, that's probably like miserable how you go about eating. So it actually even explains like he's always hungry. But there is a he, there is a loophole. He can get away with eating beets. So as long as he eats beets, he doesn't get that horrific feeling. But the unfortunate thing is, is it's got to be beets. (laughs) Well, Tony also has a partner, John Colby. And he's a total dick. They don't really like each other at all. They're, um, I I mean, even Colby, he kind of comes off as like a bit of a racist dick to the convenience store guy. And he's got all these, like, munchies and shit in his, uh... (laughs) <laughs> checking out with Tony Chu, you know, friggin' with those two cans of beets. Well, they're out on a stakeout, or going out on a stakeout. Uh, there's some chicken smuggling going on. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but that's kind of the, the premise of this story, is that, or at least so far, is that chicken has been banned by the FDA due to this bird flu that's gone around. And some people aren't so sure that this is real, um, people don't know what to believe, but the fact is, is that chicken is highly illegal. 
By the way, I'm drinking fat tire today, Belgian white. Good stuff. But, uh, yeah, no, so they're on this stakeout, and then they realize that the person going to their little hideout joint is actually Tony Chu's brother. Bum, bum, bum. Well, uh, he's, uh, he's actually a TV show chef, and it gives this funny little, um, like, skit where he's on TV, and he's, like, trying to fake cook with his faux chicken, and then he just finally has, like, a breakdown, he's like, he can cook with this shit, and blah, 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 and blah, and blah. So, yeah, anyways, they go back to the, the little fort, and then, you know, they're kind of going back and forth. Actually, Kobe's brother is the one trying to talk Tony into not arresting his own brother. So Tony's just like, no, he's a fucking asshole. And, you know, he's breaking the law. I'm going to bring him in. Well, like I said, Kobe's like, dude, that's, that's rough, man. I, I don't know if I would do that. Meanwhile, while they're, you know, bickering, they see, oh, what's his name? D-Bear. And D-Bear is apparently this, uh, this big-time gang member. They know for a fact that he's got bodies on his belt. He's a killer. So they go into the same joint, and at this point, they're, uh, they're like, all right, we're rushing in. They're suiting up, loading up, and then boom. We get this big old English uh, semi-Hagrid-looking son of a bitch. He looks like he would come out of the Kingsman show to be, or movie, to be honest. Dope-ass son bitch name. Savoy. What's his real name? Uh, Mason Savoy. I'm just going to go by Savoy from here on out. But he is a member of the FDA. And the FDA in this book are, I mean, they are like the CIA. If you're uh, the FDA, run everything. They, they are pretty much the shit. But they're also one of the most hated groups out there as well. So you can see there's the, yeah, I like a call and a come in a play. Anyways, Savoy is explaining to them that they are not going to go in there and make this bust because D-Bear has a deal with the FDA, and he's a part of something much, much bigger. It's not their business in the meantime. But, well, you, can, you know, you can keep your mouth closed. Or, you, I mean, you can go talk. Talk to your boss is what he's telling them. You can go rat out all of this and, you know, scroll all this up and probably, you know, just look like idiots. Or we can let you in. I can give you the password to this chicken speakeasy, and you can go get yourself some nice chicken dinners. Well, um, Kobe is all about it. He's like, yeah, no, that sounds super good. Tony's like, well, pff, I, you know, he has this, he can't eat, you know, if it's not beets, he's gonna get, it's not gonna be good. So, they go into this restaurant, the password ends up being, I forget what the password is, it's great. Um, freaking wishbone. That's not that great. It's wishbone though. So they get in. Uh, the waiter, or uh, Tony orders soup, and when he goes to take a bite of his chicken noodle soup, he gets one of his psychopathic flashes, and you get this little montage of while the chef's cutting, uh, the, um carrots or whatever, he cuts his finger, and just has no problem just continuing on with the blood and the soup and all of that, so Tony's going to get some, some flashes, naturally, beyond just the, the, the chicken and all of that stuff, so, um, he realizes that this person has actually committed, he's a, uh, serial murderer, and he goes around just, uh, bagging and tagging young girls, and he's on the run, 
And at this point in time, he just so happens to be working in this restaurant. So eventually, over time, Tony explains all of this stuff to Kobe, and he's like, oh, let's go bust him. So they run through the kitchen, and then boom, hatchet to Kobe's fucking head. Out. Done. Bye-bye fucking partner. Bleeding out. Bye-bye. Tony's like, well, uh, I gotta go get him. Well, that's actually what uh, Kobe's telling him. He's like, go get him. And those are his uh, seemingly dying words. So, Tony chases dude in the alley, and the dude actually ends up cutting his own throat, refusing to go to jail. Well, Tony, out of all of his bad assness, is like, no, I want to know everything about all of your victims ever, period, boom. So he goes and he takes a bite out of that motherfucker's throat. And in turn, he gets all of the information about all of his past victims and whatever flash forward he's sitting in front of his boss and it seems like his boss is praising him he's like oh yeah no you like found all these girls blah 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 and you know a lot of these were cold cases but meanwhile you were like eating this dude's fucking face man like that seems to be not very normal and he uh <laughs> and walks at that point savoy and he pretty much, at that, he's like, look, you know what? Choose my guy now. Agent Shu of the FDA. And that's how chapter one ends of this volume. And I'll tell you what, immediately, just if I were collecting this in issues, single issues, at the time it came out, I would be 100% on board with this book. So, I mean, you could just imagine, it just gets better and better and better from here. So on to chapter two then. Uh, it starts out with a little prologue, and I'm not gonna lie, it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty freaking awesome. We're at McBeefy's Burger Joint, and we get this, you know, typical, very, like, uh, cocky teenager. He gets this old lady ordering a hamburger. He goes back, goes to put a burger in it, opens the bun, sees there's already a finger on there. Flash to Tony Chew. So, at this point, he's now a member of the... Um, FDA, and he's got this new boss, and immediately has it out for him, he is a cat, so he sees uh, Tony Chu's beet salad there, and he's like, oh, no, 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 you know what, lunch is on me, I got this, and Tony's like, well, you know, I'm flattered and all, but I can't, and he's like, no, 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 check it out, make beefies, and he gives him the freaking burger with the finger in it, and he's like, oh, yeah, I need to take a bite of this. Let's see how cybopathic you are. And so he does, and, and walks Savoy, and then it's, it comes out that they already had all the information that he he uh, divulged from taking a bite of that fucking disgusting finger. And I tell you what, if you're not into goofy cannibalism, this book's not in for you. I don't think I know anybody that's into goofy cannibalism. So, you're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> Just forget what I said there. This book really is amazing. I, I do it no justice. I wish I had the ability to do voiceovers. Because this book deserves a fucking movie. Anyways, so yes, no, they're going through and uh, Savoy actually takes one for the team. And he just chomps the whole finger and they, out of that they get this Evan Pepper fellow. And Evan Pepper is a 
health inspector, and that's whose finger was on the burger. So he gets this whole flash, or Savoy gets this whole flash. By the way, Savoy is also a psychopath, one of three in the world. The third we're not sure of yet. So the fact is, yes, no, uh, Savoy is a psychopath, so he eats the finger. That probably explains that a little bit better to you. Um, and that's where they realize that Evan Pepper is the health inspector whose finger gets chopped off. And from there, they go to McBeefy's to get answers. And there's that snot-nosed little kid. And he's given this, this part right here is actually pretty funny. He's given this whole, oh, my dad's a lawyer, man. And, like, I know my laws. And the FDA is just a bunch of scumbag suckholes. And then Chu gets on the phone and he makes, he does this whole thing like, oh yeah, yeah, no, project, blah, 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 go ahead and, yeah, no, take the, this kid's parents out. Yeah, no, no, they, they don't mean shit. And on the other end of the phone is actually Savoy and he's like, you're having some fun with them, aren't you? And he's like, oh yeah, no, it's not in those little fucker. And the, you know, and the kid overhearing the conversation comes up, he's like, yeah, man, I'll tell you everything. But meanwhile, in all this, you see Savoy talking, uh, well, Savoy's on the other end, he's in an apartment, uh, uh, Pepper's apartment, to be more precisely, and he, uh, you see a shot of a dog with a big old bite taken out of him, and it kind of makes you wonder. That dog will come into, come into play a little bit more. So meanwhile, the kid is like, oh no, check it out, this is our, uh, our fake chicken or whatever, and, you know, that's, this is kind of given all the information he has about that joint and the, the nastiness that is McBeefy's. And he goes back there and on this barrel of the fake chicken, he sees this uh, insignia and they trace it back to Sushi Ono. And Sushi Ono is this uh, really poorly rated um, sushi restaurant. Now before I go any further, I want to back up because there is a little small snippet of a scene Back at McBeefy's, uh, Tony Chu notices this lady eating this burger at this place. And he instantly just, like, gets all gushy-eyed over her. And that's that's all you see for, from her for there, until they go back to Sushi Ono. And while he's in there going to question these fellers, they see this same lady uh, coming out of there. And as they walk in, the owner's like, oh no, sorry, we closed. And Chu's like, oh, no, you know, I was fucking, you'd be surprised what I could stomach. Because the guy's like, oh, no, sushi's no good. And he's like, oh, no, I, I, you, uh, you'd be surprised what I could eat. So uh, Tony Chu, he eats the, the sushi, and it's just as bad as the feller exclaimed. Meanwhile, he is explaining to the chef that he's in there to see a friend of his, and that friend just so happens to be Mr. Tamaki, the owner of the restaurant. And then the guy's like, dude, you're not a friend. And right on cue, you see all these uh, goofy-looking son-of-a-bitches with swords come around the room, and you get, like, this whole Kill Bill moment, and Chew's like, oh, no, FDA, don't, don't swing. And then, bam, Savoy comes running through the door with his little daggers, and he starts whooping that ass. And whooping that ass he does. He takes out this whole little group of, say, I'd say about, like, eight of these uh, suited ninja fellers. And with ease. And at this point, Tony's just, like, uh, pretty shaken. He's not really used to this kind of action. And Savoy's like, dude, you are in the FDA now. Shit gets crazy all the time. You're going to have to learn some moves, bro. 
but in a much more Englishier, sophisticated steez. So later on, they you know, and uh, it also comes out that these the, the people behind, uh, or possibly the people behind Mr. Pepper's uh, missingness, good word, is the yakuza. So they have that clue going for them. Meanwhile, they transfer over, and we get this weird silhouette shot of this mysterious figure that is putting out a hit on Tony, on account of how close he is to coming across some uh, uh, business that is not his. And that is how Chapter 2 ends. And from there, so pretty much to sum up what Chapter 2 is all about, is he's getting closer to uh, the the location of, or seemingly closer to the location of the missing Pepper fella, the um, health inspector, that's the guy. He has this crush that's on this mysterious lady, and there's a hit out on him, and the Yakuza's involved. So, as we move along, we're on Chapter 3. And at this point, it starts out with Tony Chu sitting in the ER, and you realize that his boy, his partner, is all bandaged up and still alive. And Tony's, like, having this conversation with this meatbag. And he's like, oh, no, check it out. I met someone, a girl. Well, he didn't really meet anybody. But, uh, so yeah, now pretty much that opening page is to let everybody know that his partner is, in fact, alive, but still kind of barely hanging on. Then we get this uh, 12-page madness of, or 12-panel madness, I'm sorry, of someone opening the newspaper, and as they read it, they get, violently ill and anybody reading the newspaper at this point is violently ill and then it flashes to this little segment um all covered in vomit of the mercury sun the newspaper uh, amelia about town so then we go on to explain who amelia is amelia mince that is the lady that sorry i keep stealing that from someone my bad um <laughs> uh, amelia is somebody the lady that Chu has been crushing on from a distance, kind of creepy-like, but not so creepy-like. And she is the writer of this column, and she has a power of her own. She is called a, I'm going to butcher this word, a stable scrivener. And she has the ability to write about food so accurately and vividly that she could actually create the sensation of the meal uh, to the point of you actually being able to taste it. So she's been bored lately, and that's so she's been going around to a bunch of D-list and below restaurants, and that's why Tony has seen her at McBeefy's and that sushi restaurant. And the article that everyone's gagging on is from her latest sushi venture. So you see that this can kind of really work with Tony on account of he can read her work and still be able to taste food without having to actually chew it, so he can have the sensation of eating again. And he gets that when he's accidentally reading her work. Or not necessarily accidentally, but she comes across he comes across her article. And he falls in love even more. So while he's reading this, the boss, new boss comes screaming in, all covered in vomit, because he had just read the same article. So in his powerfulness, he demands that Tony has to go down as a member of the FDA 
and have her fired. <laughs> and so, irony. Uh, and so, he gets his opportunity, he takes his opportunity, and he goes down there. But meanwhile, the her editor is being held um, at gunpoint by this group called Egg E G G, and I can't I can't say for sure what it stands for, but I'll say that they are against the poultry ban, and they want the media to exclaim that the bird flu was all a bunch of bullshit and blah, blah, blah. So you can imagine that this egg crew, this very cliche bunch of Frenchmen look at some bitches, are probably in the chicken trading industry. And there's a lot of chicken trading going on in here. So we get this, like, showdown as he goes down to fire Amelia. You know, turns out, you know, egg's down there, so we get a one-on-one, and then it turns out it's not a one-on-one. All the guns are on... Tony, and then oh, Amelia does the most badass thing to save the day, and she just starts rereading the last article she wrote, and all of Egg just starts vomiting all over the place, and there's vomit all, all over, and then like all over Tony, but meanwhile, he's so love-strick, and he just don't care, like that, that panel of the just like smile and hearts on his face on one half, and on the other half, he's covered in vomit, just goes to show, like, Rob Gilroy... He know that dude knows how to fucking cartoon, man. So meanwhile, he goes back and uh, Mint still has her job. He didn't fire her, and the Bausch is pissed. So he goes in to make it up, to, or he goes back to her office, and she sees that there's a note on her desk to her editor saying, "Be back in a month, maybe six months, maybe never." Ta ta. And she is on her way out skis. So then Tony goes back to confide in his bandaged friend, and we get a, a very awesome moment of comedy here. He's he's in this room, and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And then you see, please, mister, I don't know. And then you realize that he's in the wrong room, because you can't tell. They're all bandaged. <laughs> so then he goes back to his buddy, and, yeah, no, he's he just doesn't know what to do. He's lost. So that's how that chapter ends. So we're on to chapter four now. I'm still loving this book very much. Pretty much the gist of Chapter 3 was getting us to know this Amelia Mintz a little bit more. Alright, on to Chapter 4. This chapter definitely throws a bit of an odd wrench in here, but doesn't make any... I mean, it's not bad by any means. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean in a minute as I get to it. So, let's start out... It starts out with a 16 panel page of uh, Chu's new boss getting this tip about the hit out on Chu. He's getting warned by someone. And then he has this little fantasy about Chu being killed. He really doesn't like this guy. And then at the end of the fantasy, he realizes all the paperwork. And then <laughs> he's like, ah, fuck, I can't, I can't let this happen. I better say something. So he calls him for Chu. Yeah, get your lazy cannibal ass in here, blah, blah, blah. So then we get this moment where we see uh, Savoy and Chu in this room with a whole bunch of manfakers all shot up, and the word vampire comes up. And that's that's the twist that kind of doesn't really take... You don't hear about that much more from here on out. But just know that fucking anything's possible in this book at this point. So this is a very uh, vague 
full-page spread. You don't know what the fuck's going on other than the fact that everything in the room is picked clean. There's like a hand with a chicken pecking at it, so there's chickens floating around. People, there's bullet holes all over the place, carcasses, a big hole blown in the wall, and a giant telescope. And uh, the place is called Ch- Club Cerosis. Oh, Cerosis. Jesus. When you say it out loud, it sounds much better. <laughs> anyway, so, and then it goes to this whole, like, 42 hours earlier. So they're getting word that the senator has been found dead of an overdose, but in his stomach has found a half a pound of chicken meat. So they go down to the morgue, and when they get there, the senator's name is David Hamanchin. I'm just going to call him senator from here on out, because I'm not butchering that fucking name anymore. So yeah, the the morgue lady... Uh, they go, they're like, oh yeah, no, I got her body, and he's already cremated, and they're like, what? Fuck you! And she's all snide about it, and being all bitchy, and <laughs> Savoy, in his dopest of ways, takes the fan, and just, poof, dusts the room with this corpse. And there's one thing about this that I gotta say, Savoy has this way in the lettering, um, it shows like this icy, icicle type of, uh, very bluish type of talk bubble when he says, and a good day to you, madam. Uh, he has a tendency of doing that, and it just shows he's being cold, he's being a dick, and I think Savoy's the only, I could be wrong, but I think Savoy's the only one that has that in his talk bubble tendencies. But I gotta say, I fucking love it. You get like this five panel, like it's, everything's clean, fan up. Complete gray, very slightly outlined, and then Savoy tipping his hat, and a good day to you, madam. I picture him with the voice of, like, the butcher from Gangs of New York. Like, that's the voice that I very just, oh, uh, like, psychopathic. You listen to him no matter what he says. So as they're walking out of there anyways, Tony Chu licks his lips, and he's like, mm, yeah, no, this guy was definitely involved in some fire. <laughs> Obviously, he was cremated. And Savoy's like, yeah, no, that's that's to be expected, boy. And he's like, wait a second, beyond the fire, there's stars. And Savoy puts one and sixteen together, and he was like, oh no, a telescope. And they go to the Gardner Kavashkinyana. I I might have said that right, telescope. And remember when I mentioned a telescope earlier? Boom. Well, it turns out the senator is the chair of the National Space and Astronautics Committee. So, uh, that kind of ties all of that together. And, you know, know, it's a detective book. These guys are cops, so you're going to get a lot of detectivizing. Meanwhile, we get this quick panel with Tony Chu's brother trying to desperately reach him after a whole scenario of Savoy telling Tony Chu it would be silly to turn on his phone because the captain can trace him. And the captain didn't not tell him he could do what he's doing right now. He didn't necessarily get permission. But if the phone rings and the captain tells him to not continue on, then he would have to listen to the captain. So he just says, don't turn on your phone. Meanwhile, you see his brother desperately trying to get a hold of him. That's foreshadowing something for sure. Uh, there's people looking for Tony and his family and blah, blah, blah. So his brother's hiding. And then it goes back to them landing uh, at this satellite. And it's in Russia, obviously, based off of all the um, non-American words I said. 
with the telescope. I'll never be able to say that name again. Kvishnyana. Nope. So they get there anyways, and they have like a bartender there. So that's that kind of explains like the, the club cirrhosis. I guess that's inside of the telescope maybe. Not totally sure. Don't care. Fucking loved it. Meanwhile, in this group of people, uh, all just, like, chilling, a part of the scientific team, they're all just, like, getting down. Well, it comes down to the bartender. He's pretty much, like, he seems like the guy in charge. And he's like, dude, we get uh, $34 million in uh, studies, and we only, our budget is only, like, $3 million. So we have more money than we could ever know what to do with. So we're just, like, getting fucking hammered all the time. And you see people, like, smoking the bongs and naked ladies loving other dudes and ladies and whatnot. And then that's where out of this group, one of the naked ladies decides to just start opening fire on everybody, and then we go back to that scene where everybody's all beat the fuck up, and we get like a showdown between this Russian broad and Tony Chu, and uh, Savoy's his badass self, and then we get this giant fucking explosion by... One of the other uh, uh, scientist guys, he like needs himself, and yeah, no, it's uh, and then pretty much the Russian lady gets away, but she's just like out in her bra and panties, all in the cold, and Savoy's just like, ah, no, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I I doubt she makes it far. And then there's this uh, odd sequence. I'm not too sure what to make out of it, to be honest. But they've already realized that you know she's gone. And Chu's staring up at this telescope, and he's like, what's going to happen to this place, Mason? Mason's a boy. And then we get this whole page where it says 24 years earlier. And Atlas, 738, I'm assuming that's a planet. And they're all looking up in the sky, and there's terror and everything in the sky, like there's something flying through the sky. And it, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. we got the space sequence, and then we get this page that says, and then tonight... And we get this little six-panel spread of space and, like, this weird explosion and bang and the nothingness. And then, meanwhile, we get our telescope where we're at now with the whole wall busted through it. So I'm not sure what to make of the last two and a half pages. And I'm sure as we read along, we will find out. So that is the end of Chapter 4. What we get out of Chapter 4 is the death of the senator, and we're bringing in this crazy Russian broad. I'm sure he's going to play a part in it. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's finish out this volume with Chapter 5, shall we? All right, so uh, <laughs> we're, we get a sequence of how rough the last 24 hours have been for Tony Chu, and we're pretty much getting a... Um, foreshadowing of what the fic is going to happen in this last chapter. So it shows uh, him getting his ass whooped, a bunch of blood splattering in his face, him taking a bite out of a rotten dog, and Antony Chu laying on the ground covering his ear with a whole lot of blood happening. So... Now we're getting on with our story. So that first page will just kind of give us a rundown of what the fake's going on. And then here it actually starts out with this is how shit went down. We get this FDA raid and inside all this we get this big gang war. Meanwhile, uh, Tony and Savoy are around the corner with all of the action going on down in there. 
So once they have that room all clear, they call for Savoy and Chu to enter the room, and they come across the safe. And then Chu, and without skipping a beat, to get the combination to the safe, goes up to one of the still live guards, kicks him in the face, takes a bite of his bite of his blood, a suckle of his blood, and he's like, "Ah, try seventy-five, ninety-seven, two seventy-two, and boom, safe opens up." And inside is Chu's brother. Oh, shit. And not just Chu's brother, a whole bunch of fucking live chickens. That's the problem, because they're not supposed to be there. So, uh, while Tony is hand or untying his brother, they're going back and forth. Apparently, there's some tension between the two. Hmm. And he's yelling, I'm like, you were supposed to be buying black mark chicken. And you're like, ah, look what they did to my face. You're a fucking asshole. And they were all, it's all because of you. They were after you. They thought I was you. <laughs> they do kind of look alike. It's just, you know, different facial hair and hair lengths. And, I mean, they are brothers. So, yeah. And then, meanwhile, Savoy steps in. He's like, no, no, no. Now's not the time for this, boys. Let's... You know, you know, why don't you come outside with one of our junior agents? We'll get you all cleaned up. And by the way, you know, I was I was actually quite the aficionado of your uh, of your cooking show there, boy. And oh god, that was ter- terrible. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. But uh, yeah, no. So he's trying to pretty much just cool the scenario down. Is what's happening. And as he's walking him outside, Chew's all alone, and then bam. Gun butt to the face. And standing over top of him is, I could, just, you would just assume, is one of the hitmen after the $5 million ransom on Tony Chu's head. So he's standing there, and as he's getting ready to fire, Savoy comes in with all of his badassness. And one of the panels that we saw on the first page of Tony Chu getting cover in blood, well, boom. Savoy takes the bullet. Thankfully, it's not fatal, but as that whole bloody scenario ends, you see Savoy standing over him uh, with his gun, and the killer with a big old fucking hole in his head. So Savoy came out ahead, but meanwhile, he did get shot, but in the arm, and he's getting wheeled out, and Tony Chu's like, all right, I'm going to go home, I'm going to get some rest, I'm going to sleep on this. And as he's sleeping on all this, he wakes up and he realizes that, you know, it's not, something's not adding up. And he did actually, uh, I guess I forgot to mention in the whole scene, he ended up taking a bite out of uh, something. Or No, he had blood all over him, that's what it was. Uh, from the the big bloody scene and he ended up tasting some of it and he got and from that he got the conclusion that the guy that they had shot was the guy that cut off the senator's finger so he goes home like i said to rest and he wakes up and he's like something's not adding up something doesn't feel complete and then we get this oh shit moment. So he goes into evidence, and then that's where we refer back to that bitten up dog. And he has to take a bite of this vacuum sealed, rotten, bitten up dog, and then it all comes to him. And he realizes that Savoy, like I said, the guy that they had killed in the alley there, in that whole rundown, um, was the guy that cut off the finger. But beans that Savoy got shot too, some of that blood that Tony Chu 
tasted was also Savoy's, and he broke it down that he was the one that actually killed the senator. So Savoy's a bad guy, and I'm pretty fucking bummed about that. So then we get the confrontation, and we get a big old scuffle, and Savoy actually rips off Tony Chu's fucking ear. And he's like, check it out, boy. I could just take a nibble, and then I'll know what the fuck your family's doing, what you're doing, I'll come after him, and it ain't gonna be fucking pretty, so just leave me the fuck alone. So, and he's like, it sucks that it came down to this, I have to go on about my merry way, so he does, he just like, carries on about his merry way, takes on this new identity, and... Yeah, but god damn is that scenario gruesome. And it's also sad, too, because you could tell that he's not, like, super happy about it. He's, I mean, not happy about it at all. Because he went from, like, having it great with the FDA, because he's on this, like, mission to take down the poultry uh, scandal as well. He doesn't agree with it either. All that comes out. So all of his badness is for... to expose a greater good, I guess. So it's kind of like a regretful moment in a way. But that's that's how it, it all ends. It, it's it, fucking this first volume. I, I don't know. I just, the the art style in there. Rob Gilory has a style that if I were you know to continue to try to illustrate comics again, it was always a style that I tried to emulate. It's just brilliant. And I didn't. I mean, I was trying to draw this type of style before I knew who Gilroy was. So it kind of gives me confidence that you could have this amazing, fucking awesome story with a cartoony. I mean, he's a cartoonist more than anything. This is not your typical comic book style art by any means. Uh, but the, the the storytelling, it's it's very, very, very unique. I, I don't know what to say. They keep introducing characters and then just kind of like they sift away for a moment. So you know there's just a whole lot of world building to go on. I cannot say enough good things. And if it wasn't for Farmhand coming out uh, five or six months ago when it did, I may have never given this a shot. So I hope you join me on my journey to tell you this story. And I'm going to do everything I can uh, with... I mean, this isn't all. I'm going to have more and more books like this as they come out. As I read them, you guys are more than welcome to uh, make suggestions to me. Um, I'm, Yeah, I, 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 I'm really enjoying loving this stuff along with you guys. So, once again, join me on my journey of Chew. And uh, soon I will have Volume 2. All of that good stuff read and explained to you. So, you guys know where to find us. We are the Cheers to Comics Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can listen to us now on Stitcher as of today, actually. So, find us on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, all of that good stuff. Spotify, you know where to do. So, thank you so much, nerds, for joining me. And you guys read responsibly. Cheers.